Hey guys, Bryce here from Flex Cortex. All content on the Flex Cortex podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitution for medical advice from a qualified health professional. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to Flex Cortex for episode four. This episode will cover starting a fat loss program. I am once again here with my co-host Bryce. Hey guys. How's it going, Bryce? Good. Good. Good one today for sure. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be handing over the reins to you for most of this episode just because uh, I'm a little bit sick. Uh, you could probably hear it in my voice a little bit. Not ideal, but we'll oh, make it work. I don't hear anything. Just kidding. Yeah, you, you sound like an angel sent from above. <laughs> yeah, God sent. God sent. God sent. <laughs> so I'm going to quickly just cover the uh, nutrition ex- aspect of a fat loss, loss program. Um, and really, really, it is super simple. We talked about this a little bit in the past, but it is just about eating a lot more whole foods. Um, and that kind of goes down to uh, your calorie density. So these are low caloric density foods but high in uh the nutrients that you need and they also have high water content so you're actually getting a lot of um a lot more bane for your buck a lot more volume uh that we talked about before uh and like like they say the stats about you know if it's 90 percent diet versus 10 percent program or 70 percent diet versus 30 percent programming doesn't really matter the the fact of the matter is you're exercise will never burn as many calories as you just not eating certain high uh, density calorie foods so just avoid the sugars avoid the fast food and you're going to go a lot longer than you know doing uh an hour of high intensity interval training stuff like that yeah so. i would i would definitely say that they both go very much hand in hand right i would say again like you were saying that they were very much like a 50 50 split more or less um one needs the other one in a sense, right? If you, if even if you're following a strict program, but you eat like crap all the time, you're not going to be seeing the results you want to be seeing. Um, it's kind of vice versa with that as well. Oh yeah, and like uh, the the thing I think people need to separate is that um, your fitness programming, your cardio, your resistance training, um, and your diet—they're actually like three different categories for a trifecta. It's all three are equally important for overall fitness, but you could actually get into very good, well, not very good shape, but you could lose your weight and actually have a successful quote unquote, uh, weight loss program just through diet. But obviously you're not going to get the benefits that you get from cardio for your cardiovascular system. And you're not going to get the benefits, uh, for your skeletal system and the other health benefits that come from a resistance and weight training program. So all three are really important to have together. Yeah, the importance of all three is uh, really, really important, I would say. Yeah. Uh, And one of the actual ways uh, to kind of make sure that you're staying within that program and actually making progress in your diet is uh, utilizing uh, cheap meals or even cheap snacks to uh, stave off cravings because, like, it's really hard to go from a all to nothing uh sort of mentality so those cheap meals can actually really help keep you um on track if you're limiting those cheap meals to like 
once every week or once every two weeks, uh, depending on your needs. And like when I say a cheat meal, I don't mean uh, doing a mukbang for uh, that you see on YouTube where <laughs> you're getting like uh, six different combos and eating them all in not one sitting or, you know, having a cheat day where you're, you're like, oh, I could eat whatever like crap I want today. Yeah. Uh, it's totally about just, you know, uh, if you want to get like your quarter pounder combo with like a small or medium fry and your Coke, go for it. Um, and like just making those, eliminating that as much as possible uh, so that your diet can take you further in your programming. Yeah. And, and I'd say just being smart about it too. Like if you're wanting to have a cheat meal, have it on a day that you're training, like have it on a day that you're doing um, an intense day of your programming. So then that way you're, kind of you still have that gap right because you you're burning calories for that day anyways um so there's probably not going to be as many negative effects versus having it on like a rest day exactly and like um especially if as you get more into a program and your fitness level increases it's less detrimental to have that one cheat meal um and you can actually even uh do carb loading and uh, carb timing with that which we'll talk about in a future episode but um, it, you can do some really interesting things with that cheat meal, uh, when you're at a little bit of a higher level of activity and you can actually go a little bit harder. Um, you get your large fry and your large Coke if you wanted, uh, that day, uh, just because as you get more fit, you have more muscle to burn more calories. Treat yourself. Treat, treat yourself. <laughs> Self-care. Yeah. Uh, and that ties in really well with, um, uh, I, something that you're a big fan of, which is uh, it's your if it fits your macros, uh, as we talked about in the previous episodes, where you have your carbs, fats, uh, and your proteins. Basically, if it fits your macros, says you can eat any food as long as you're um, getting your macros, your the right ratio of macronutrients. So I think uh, last time we talked about a 40-30-30 split. So 40% carbs, 30% proteins, 30% fats for your total calorie needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if you wanted to eat McDonald's every day and you can make that fit your macros, you could technically do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do want to talk about uh, some nursing implications uh, some, or health implications, really, uh, because I have to be a little bit of a Debbie Downer. Uh, there are some risks with doing that sort of if it fits your macros if you're still having those um low nutrient high calorie dense foods um you are at some risks for like different uh increasing your cholesterol uh and that we can talk about kind of like a the low density versus high density uh uh lipos uh which is basically your cholesterols uh and it's basically your high density lipids and your low density lipids um your high density lipids are good think of it kind of as like uh your muscle, uh, where like your muscle is a lot more dense, uh, whereas the fat is a little bit more, you know, amorphous and a little bit more expansive and not as dense. Um, and that's what low, low, uh, density hypolipids are. They can kind of get stuck in your arteries as they're going around because they're not as packed down. Whereas the high density ones will actually transport, uh, your cholesterol that you're getting from animal products to your liver to actually be uh, processed and then expelled from the body. Um, 
The other things that can happen are is an increased risk of uh, diabetes, uh, specifically type 2 diabetes, from eating those high-sugar foods and uh, the ones where they high on the glycemic index that are just shocking your body and uh, causing you need to build up insulin resistance, which uh, can lead to prediabetes and diabetes type 2. Um, you also have increased risks of varying heart disease, kind of related to that uh, low-density lipids where it can actually start... Uh, building up plaque in your arteries uh, that can cause things like heart attack, stroke, um, deep vein thrombrosis that can lead to a pulmonary embolism, stuff like that, uh, theoretically. Uh, but more specifically, the coronary arteries that supply your heart with oxygen, they can actually start getting plugged because they're um, it, they're they're actually a really small artery in comparison. Um, they're still fair size, but uh, it it can be pretty easy for that plaque, especially if you're eating like that for a long period of time, to start building up and cause issues. So uh, just be careful with if it uh, fits your macros. Uh, make sure that, you know, like if you're going to follow it to still avoid like the foods high in sugars and uh, maybe limit your uh, junk foods and your animal products that aren't, uh, that are a little bit more processed. Uh, just try and kind of play them down a little bit more. Um yeah. 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 I think those are all really important things to cover and um, important things to con to consider when doing like an if it fits your macros approach. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about though here is um, with if it fits your macros. Obviously, I like the idea of it because it's about sustainability. Um, it's more or less, I would say, like an eighty-five fifteen approach, where you're eating good eighty-five percent of the time and you're kind of allocating yourself that fifteen percent in your diet. Um, I think people typically will again, take this to the extreme and they think, oh, if it fits your macros, so I can just destroy a whole pizza because it fits my macros. It's like, well, no, um, like you guys just um, learned and heard above, there's lots of health risks uh, allocated with all of that stuff and related to all that stuff. So if you're going to be doing like an if it fits your macros approach, I would obviously still consult a primary healthcare provider because um, it is, again, kind of like a a diet-ish or a lifestyle change. So it is still something to talk to them about and make sure that you're healthy before you start it and just kind of what you can allow yourself to have. Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, uh, I think the importance of the primary health care provider actually going through that with you is that they can really reinforce that if you're going to do it to make sure that you're eating that 85% of the time whole foods and uh, you're getting some blood work done just to see the effects. Because, uh, uh, I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast will have watched um, uh, Super Size Me, uh, that documentary about the guy who eats McDonald's every day uh, and the health risks that can happen. And then there's another, I don't know if it was that documentary or another one, but essentially they did the same thing, but the act they actually lost weight because they had salads or just made sure that uh, if they were getting their certain calorie needs that day, that they stopped eating after that. So if that meant, you know, they could have a Big Mac meal every day, it just meant they couldn't really have much else for the rest of the day. Uh, and they lost weight, but the blood values that actually happened uh, were, were less than ideal. Yeah, and I can't even imagine their their insides, like their organs, having McDonald's yeah, every day. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't know the uh, if there was any research done or uh, any studies, but like, uh, if there's any kind of fat buildup around the organs, that would be another primary concern I'd have. Yeah. Uh, 
because that's the big problem with uh, what people uh, famously refer to when they say skinny fat, where it doesn't look like you're very fat, but it's because all the fat from your uh, sedentary lifestyle is actually around your organs instead, which can have a whole host of problems too. Yeah, a very important thing to consider. Yeah. Uh, So that kind of covers the nutrition aspect. So I will hand it over to you to kind of cover some of the programming aspects of a fat loss loss program. Sure. So um, when starting like a new program for specifically for, in this case, weight loss, um, it's important to differentiate a couple things. Um, One thing I really want to cover is people tend to always think that you're going to lose a ton of muscle and a ton of size and strength when you do a weight loss program. Um, I wouldn't say this is true. Um, You can definitely maintain a lot of strength and a lot of size, and I've actually seen it done. Um, It just depends on your nutrition, um, how many calories you're actually taking off weekly, People will typically start off with a deficit that's too large, and then they're losing energy, right? So if you're losing energy, you're not going to be able to actually have the output that you want and see the improvements in performance in every session. So uh, first of all, I just wanted to make that very clear that it is very possible to still maintain strength um, and keep up your athletic performance with a good meal plan. Um, and even just making sure that you're not putting yourself in too much of a deficit, like I mentioned before. Um, but the primary focus for a weight loss program is going to be more kind of like a muscular endurance based program. So you're going to be kind of like targeting that 12 to even like a 20 rep range, um, kind of working in that 50 to 75% range, um, 50% being kind of like the higher up the 20 rep up and the 75% being that 12 rep range. Um, like I was saying, you kind of still want to have that 12 rep work because you still want to be challenging tissue, obviously. Um, and you're working different systems when you're working in different rep ranges. Um, the most important variable I want to consider here is rest times. Um, you're going to be modifying this accordingly to how your body's recovering weekly. And it's one that you can play with as you get used to the stress being put on your body. Um, one other thing is that lean body tissue will burn extra body fat. So if you do have some extra tissue, that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, one other thing I want to discuss is TDEE. So it's your total daily energy expenditure. So this is important to consider for people that work um, labor-intensive jobs. So construction or like a trades would be one that's very um, active where you're moving for most of the day um, and doing some form of activity. Um, that's going to obviously contribute to how many calories you need and it's going to affect your, um, MBR. It's like your, or your BMR, sorry, your basal metabolic rate. So, um, getting into some hit here, we're going to talk about high intensity interval training. Um, this involves alternating between high and low intensity intervals in that one specific session. Um, this is very commonly used for like sprints, uh, jump rope. Um, just for that kind of stuff where you're doing like high bursts of energy and then following that with some rest. Um, you're just, again, working a different system in the body. So it's a different kind of stress on the heart and on the muscles itself. Um, one note I want to make with that is that it can be pretty taxing. So if you're wanting to keep your performance pretty high when it comes to resistance training, I would do the interval training Um, maybe after you do your weights and then give yourself a day of recovery in between so you're not affecting your workouts too much. 
Okay, so the next one we're going to be talking about here is, again, just being in a caloric deficit. So figuring out what your um, base level calories are at. We kind of discussed this last time. And then being in a deficit that can get you to about that 3,500 calories per week, which will add up to about a pound. Um, again, we're going to consider that because it is important to factor in when you're doing a new program. Um, what we're going to jump into now is some more programming details. Um, we're going to talk about something called the FIT principle. Um, the F stands for frequency, so the number of training sessions per week. The I is for intensity, so it refers to the level of effort involved in each session. Um, this can be percentage-based or based off of a HRR, which would be like a heart rate reserve, or HR max, which would be like your heart rate max. Um, the first T would be for time, so the duration of every of each session, and then the next T would be type, so that refers to the type of activity being engaged in. Um, and then we're going to talk about a couple implements that you can use for your own training program if you're wanting to play play, play around with them, or if you're wanting to um, even use them for maybe any potential clients that you have as well. Um, one would be supersets. Uh, it's a pretty common training method that consists of two exercises done back to back with no rest. You'd be taking your rest after. Um, to build off of that, you could be doing a tri set, which would be three movements, or a giant set, which would be four. And then you could go to circuits. Circuits would be like a four plus movements. Um, circuit training is a great way to increase overall intensity of the workout. Um, this is done by, again, having probably four movements back to back and then taking your rest after. Um, these are typically all time-based um, or they can be rep-based but then the supersets tri-sets and giant sets are more so going to be the rep-based movements yeah they're uh they, they can be pretty tough i've uh done a giant set in my day and uh i think i did it for all of like three weeks before i was like yeah i i like my supersets instead yeah supersets i'd say are a good place to start um for when you're wanting to get into like a fat loss ish program um Obviously, I would much rec much prefer doing a superset over like a straight set. Um, you're going to be just getting your heart rate up higher, and you're going to be able to get more done. It's about efficiency, right? So, Yeah, exactly. You can get done in like half an hour at the gym instead of what would it usually take you an hour if you were doing that straight set for each movement where you're taking that rest in between and uh, each movement, right? Yeah, I mean, the again... The programming is going to be so dependent on the individual, um, what they need, and if they are going to be having like a half an hour, 45 minute long session, you still are going to be wanting to leave room or time for your cardio. So if you're wanting to do like your continuous cardio, if you're wanting to do your hit work, um, it is important to still obviously keep that into consideration, but um, keeping the heart rate up and keeping the intensity up is going to be pretty crucial for... Um, any of your superset work. Um, Perfect. So the next one we're going to be getting into is we're going to be talking about RPE. So with RPE, that's going to be rated perceived exertion. My dogs are barking, by the way, if you guys hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> rated perceived exertion, yeah. so that's RPE. Um, it's going to be subjective, so less accurate than like a heart rate monitor, for example. Um, the two kind of scales that you typically would see the most would be the Borg scale, so like 6 to 20. Uh, six being very easy and 20 being very hard. Um, and then there's like the regular scale, which is the, the most common for um, any kind of strength training or resistance training. And that would be like a one to 10. 
Um, I typically use this for a lot of my athletes for like their top sets, the one to 10, um, which would regard the reps in reserve. Um, an example would be like an RPE eight would be like two reps in the tank. Um, to jump into the next portion here, I'm going to be talking about HRR. So HRR is heart rate reserve. Um, this is a tool that you can use for working with special population clients. So a good example of some would be like cancer survivors um, right now, like a COVID recovery patient that might have some um, ongoing health condition issues that we would need to address. Um, so I'll just give like a demonstration here of the heart rate reserve formula, just to give you guys an, an example. Um, so to calculate our HRR, it would be the heart rate max minus the heart rate rest times the intensity plus the, re the resting heart rate of the individual. So I have an example here just to give you guys an idea. So a client with a HR max of 175 beats per minute and a resting heart rate of 64 beats per minute would be trying to train, let's say for the example, to 60 to 75% of their heart rate max or their um, heart rate reserve. So 60% would be, again, the 0.6, and then you'd have in brackets the 175 minus 64 plus 64, which would be 131 beats per minute. And the 75% would equate the 147 beats per minute. So again, for the example, having the client from that 131 to 147 would be like the high end um, when working with the heart rate reserve for 60 to 75%. Um, but keep in mind, 60 to 75% is kind of on the higher end, um, intermediate to advanced for uh, an, an individual. So you start off with probably about a 30 to 40%. Um, for HRR or for um, HR max. Um, and then for an HR max calculation, you'd be doing 220 minus the client's age would give you like the estimated heart rate max. So 220 minus 24 for me would be 196 beats per minute. Now, um, just to give a quick calculation off of that, 85% of that would be 85 times the 220 minus 24, which would equal the 167 beats per minute. Um, again, I just want to make a note that People with heart conditions, um, disease, or other conditions should be careful when doing heart rate max calculations. Um, I would definitely stress the importance of starting off with like HRR and gradually working your way to being able to work off of an HR max percentage. Um, also, just the importance of having a heart rate monitor and being able to monitor your heart rate while you're exercising is going to be hugely beneficial. Um, or if you can't have that, at least being able to palpate on yourself and knowing um, what to work with that. I would say if you're timing it when you're actually exercising, time for about 10 seconds, and then you multiply that number by six to give you your active heart rate. Yeah, I do. I, I will uh, re-stress that uh, about uh, consulting with your uh uh, personal fitness trainer and disclosing your health history and talk to, talking to a primary care provider because yeah that will completely change depending on if you have a heart condition because uh there have been cases where people will work themselves uh past their limit but would be within a nor normal limit usually for a personal trainer to do uh or even for uh a healthy adult of the same age to do and then they work themselves uh so hard that they have a heart attack or a stroke, um, depending on what the underlying uh, kind of pathophysiology is or underlying like disease 
of the heart uh, happens to be. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that that's one thing to consider with lots of these programming um, considerations is that people think that they're going to be at a higher level than they are at sometimes. So if somebody is a cancer survivor or if somebody was in the hospital for COVID and they're recovering, um, you just have to stress to them as, well, for me, as being their PT or um, if they're obviously seeing a doctor, just stressing the importance of starting off a little bit slower and doing something a little more gradual because that's going to be healthier for them in the long run. Yeah, and that's related to their... Uh, respiratory symptoms usually uh, for cancer patients it's uh, about your energy reserve and your uh, a little bit about your immune system too Uh, especially being careful with going to gyms actually for the first little bit because you can be immunocompromised with some of those chemotherapy drugs and the radiation that they treat a lot of cancer uh, patients with so uh, be mindful of that too yeah yeah Um, I just wanted to add really quickly that a typical quote-unquote healthy individual should probably be in the 40 to 85% range for basing any kind of percentages off of, um, again, HRR or HR max. Um, and then someone with underlying health conditions, so like we had spoken before, surviving cancer patients or COVID or um, other people too, like I'd say like asthmatics or anything like that, should be kind of starting around that 30 to 40%. Um, and then just seeing how you feel with that, because there's always room to go up and work with that versus starting off a little bit high and then having something happen while you're at the gym. Yeah. And I think for, uh, I, I actually don't know if we talked about this as much in the first episode, I think, uh, first or second, I think we briefly touched upon it, but, uh, that body mass index, uh, calculation that most people are familiar with. Uh, you are considered a um, at-risk population or a special population for fitness if you are in that obese or um, higher on the overweight scale mm-hmm. and you're not uh, a usual athlete, then you should be more concerned about you know going closer to that zero uh, that thirty percent of your uh, max or the heart rate reserve. Yeah, um, I am about thirty-one or thirty-two on the BMI. So yeah, but for someone like you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're a power lifter, so the, uh, not to say that all power lifters have bad cardio, but, uh, you could work on your cardio for sure. So maybe not at the 85%, but you are an athlete. Uh, you're lifting very heavy loads. You're in, uh, exceptional shape, uh, otherwise. So it's, um, you know, like just because you're at 32% doesn't mean we can't push you to that, you know, close to that 85%, depending on your, um, heart work uh and that's why like even for someone who's a powerlifter and uh generally very active why well, i'd say still go talk to your uh physician or a nurse practitioner is just because yeah we we don't actually know what your underlying blood values are you could be at risk for a heart attack still uh depending on what your cardio is at so to actually address that and make sure that you're if you're going to start a cardio program because you really want to do a marathon now to take it still easy and probably go to that 30% for uh, a running program and then closer to that 85% for a lifting program. Yeah. Uh, cardio is never going to hurt. Um, you just have to find the kind of cardio that's going to work best for you. Um, especially with like in this, in this example, um, a power lifter, which we'll, we'll say I'm an athlete ish. We'll, we'll leave that up for debate. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, all jokes aside, it's important to have cardio, 
in a program, especially even for me, um, the doing more cardio can actually increase your your capacity for workload. So it can actually increase the amount of volume that you can handle. So if you are able to do more cardio, it can actually allow you to just be able to do more volume. So um, it can allow you to be able to do more sets and actually be able to increase your work capacity. So I would say it's really important to still have some programming, um, have some cardio in your programming, sorry, but taking into consideration, obviously recovery. So for like myself, I probably wouldn't have any hit in my programming because I don't want to have hit affecting my workouts, but I could definitely implement in continuous training, um, and do like some steady state, which I've been doing lately, um, just to get moving and stay active. Right. Cause the, the heart's important to keep healthy. Yeah. And you know, like there is that, uh, I would say stigma, but kind of like that um, thought process for a lot of powerlifters that, you know, like you, you ever mention cardio or like a treadmill to them and they instantly like shut down and are like, uh, no, I'm going to go uh, actually just eat my meal after this, uh, eat my 3000 calories. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no thanks. But if you're not increasing your heart rate during your actual workout and resistance training, if you're taking it pretty easy and having long rest periods for that's recommended for uh, athletes that are. Uh, training at the very high end for uh, powerlifting because you need that rest period between each uh, set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, sure. You might not actually be getting your heart rate high enough to be getting the cardiovascular benefits that all that you read about all the time for fitness. So it's really important to um, have some cardio or making sure that you're having those supersets that's raising your heart rate because otherwise, yeah, you're not getting all those wonderful, wonderful cardio benefits uh, that everyone talks about. Yeah, I mean you're you're still going to be working on increasing your your lung capacity. Um, so that's one thing that's also really important too is how you're able to actually use oxygen. So again, this kind of works in works in relation with doing more cardio. Um, but all my uh, all my powerlifting friends out there that are listening, if you are listening, just hop on the treadmill, guys. Let's let's uh <laughs> just just do one like do a walk or yeah. a, a light jog just. Even if it's not, you know, all the time, just, you know, maybe maybe do it once a week. Like, we, we are asking much. Keep the heart healthy. Keep, you know, keep the heart healthy and live a happy life. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Eat, eat some uh, hemp parts, too. Keep a healthy heart. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that's pretty much um, all I got for when it comes to starting out, like, a fat loss program. Um, I think I, I, think yeah, I kind of covered I, all the fundamentals there. I think uh, I think we covered quite a bit. I think uh, I, we hope that you get some use out of this listening to it. Uh, if you're a trainer or someone who's wanting to lose some weight, yeah. Uh, hopefully, this can kind of give you a, a basis in the theoretical and fundamentals. Um, yeah. Yeah, and if if any of you guys like want more details on this stuff, um, just feel free to message me. Um, Instagram's probably the best way. So like at underscore body by Bryce, message me and we can talk. Um, we can talk about what you're wanting to accomplish and we can talk about some of the stuff more in detail if you guys have any kind of questions. But um, yeah, apart from that, I think it's pretty much a wrap. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, we will catch you again uh, next Saturday. Uh, we will be doing a fitness assessment over Zoom. So we're not sure if we'll be posting that to uh, YouTube or not anymore just because of the, um, like we were saying at the very beginning of the episode, I was a little bit sick, so we didn't want to risk uh, potentially spreading, be it a cold or um, a flu yeah. uh, to test negative uh, for COVID. So it's not that, but 
just so you guys know. Yeah, we'll definitely still try our best to put out uh, something now or later regarding assessments. Perfect. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.